Happy hour. Oh, she keeps falling off. Yeah. <laughs> like, what in the world keep going on? We keep losing you. What's going on? I don't here? know. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. I'm trying to make sure I share this on my page right now. Um look, it's bad. I don't even know how to really share this thing. I'm getting I'm getting at it. Anyway, this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is Cortina, a.k.a. The Girlfriend Therapist. And this is Louisa, a.k.a. Blue Phoenix. Hi, ladies. Um, we're drinking something pretty easy today. Uh, it's going to be a frozen daiquiri. Oh, okay. It's been hot. We need something a little chilly, a little sassy. So um, this frozen daiquiri, you can use white or gold rum, um, mm-hmm. freshly squeezed lime juice, simple syrup, um, lime, lime wheels for garnish and ice. And you just put everything in the blender and you pulse it until it, it mixes and pour it in a um, margarita glass. Okay. And if you want to do the, you know, for a mocktail, you can use simply limeade instead of the um, alcohol and then blend it. Oh. Okay. Just really something simple today. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sipping on something a little simple also. <laughs> I'm trying out this new, um, jalapeno i think it's tequila or vodka i don't know i think it's tequila. oh and i so when i was at trader joe's i love trader joe's i had picked up some it was it's called a jalapeno jalapeno limeade so i was like oh, oh that sounds interesting is it good this. that's debatable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's debatable right now um it's um It's not bad. It's re- it's kind of refreshing, but it still has like that. You could definitely taste the jalapeno, and I like I like um, I really do like what do you call it? Um, oh heck, what is it called? Fresh, refreshing drinks. But I also like them spicy. I love yeah. spicy drinks. Oh, I remember I last time drinks. you said that you like spicy drinks. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love spicy drinks. Okay, so I'm gonna share this post really quick on my page so that way people can tune in. Cortina, how are you feeling? Um, Busy day? I'm in a little pain trying to figure out how to position my arm. <laughs> oh gosh, just, just, just robot it, don't move. It hurts when I lift it up, it hurts when I put it down. It's oh. Are you resting it on a pillow? It's on um, the cushion of my chair. It's a cushion here. Oh, maybe you need another pillow. Yeah, no, but the weight is it's the, the pinch where the cut is. So it really oh. doesn't matter. If I lift it up, it stretches it. It hurts. Oh, good. I put it down. It's Because you know when, you, when your arms are down, it's... Yeah, it pulls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, ladies, let's talk about our WCWs. It, it is Wednesday. And like yes. every Wednesday, whenever we podcast, well, the first and the third anyway, we highlight some dynamic women who are out here making a difference. And so who wants to go with first with their WCW? I can go first. Okay. Um, so um, I am actually crushing on someone who is from my hometown and she is the CEO of the Kio Diet, so K-I-O Diet. She lost 60 pounds in six months, and um, it's this new and improved weight loss system that she came up with. And, I mean, her weight loss journey, like, if you guys want to follow it, it's just K-I-O, the Kio Diet. The uh, founder and the CEO of that is Nakasha Wells. and she is, it, it's so funny because it's this blowing up trend and I actually know her personally. And so I think it's absolutely great what she's doing. I followed her because she tracked her weight loss journey step by step. She told people what she was doing and for her to come oh. up with her own regimen that's trademarked 
and it has the um, FDA seal and it's clinically tested. I mean, like it, it's amazing. So I was just really cool. Blown away. (laughs) Um, At what she's doing. It is um, great. So that's who I am. Her name is Nakasha Wells. And she was previously an attorney, but she is her own. um, Yeah, she moved to Atlanta. Then she moved back to Palm Beach. um, And but I'm crushing on her because I think she's doing absolutely phenomenal and amazing. So that is who my WCW is today. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, gonna say I'm, I I don't need to drop any weight like that, so mm-mm. I mean it might not be advantageous for me, to, but I might I might still check her out and follow. But if you just look like so, check her out yeah, and stuff, like it's really eating, really cool. Just for health purposes, that you know I'm gonna definitely follow. Yeah. What about you, Louisa? Well, I'm crushing on um, Loretta uh, Loretta Lynch, who was a. Uh, um, previous U.S. Attorney General. She was actually the first Black woman to become U.S. Attorney General, and she served in between 2015 and 2017. And so for those who don't know what a uh, U.S. Attorney General is, it's basically um, they lead the U.S. Department of Justice, and it's the chief lawyer of all of the federal government, basically, and also wow. um, serves as the, the principal advisor for the president of the United States. Um, on legal matters. Mm. And so she was the first black woman to do so and from 2015 to 2017. All right. All right. Well, okay. Well, for me today, I am shouting out my WCW, Stephanie Davis, because if you have been following me, one of the, I just put out a post about me, you know, being the moderator for the Behind the Consortium for the Black Media Honors. Well, one thing is so special about Stephanie is that, I mean, the Black Media of the Black Media Honors is just one of many things and many ways that she is highlighting um, media people. You know, just her being in media and her owning several different platforms that, you know, could resonate with the culture of Black people. I think it's absolutely amazing that to give her her flowers now because she is making some dynamic moves. If you are in the Atlanta area, August 21st, or 21st and 20 or 20, 21st and 22nd, you definitely don't want to miss and not getting your tickets for the Black Media Honors. It is such a phenomenal. Oh, that's event. so cool! And and on the on the 22nd, that Sunday is going to be a gala. So yes, I, oh, I think wow. what she's doing is yes, exactly. It's absolutely amazing, and it's something that you definitely want to be a part of. So it's actually yeah, August twenty. What is it? Twenty first and twenty second. Um, the Black Media Honors will be held, and of course, you'll see me. I would all that would be doing some red carpet out there, as well as the paneling, the behind the press consortium. So, get in the know and just come and give tribute to a lot of Black media influencers and people who are doing some dynamic things for for Black media journalism. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm shouting out. What's, Stephanie her, what's Davis. her name again? Stephanie Davis. Yeah, if you go to my Instagram and you just swipe across it, I have all the information on there with the dates and everything. And if you follow her, she's been dropping little tidbits and surprises. So check her out. Okay, so ladies, let's get this conversation started because speaking of, you know, we just already highlighted so many dynamic Black women. And our conversation today is about Um, why is society oppressive when it comes to the success of black women? How do you all feel about this? I think that's a, a multi-layered question. (coughs) Now I looked up, I looked up, um, I was looking up some issues, you know, and so I was on um, politicalmagazine.com. And they did an article uh, March 8th, 2019, and it was like, what are the biggest problems will women face today? So, of course, they were incorporating all women, but mm-hmm. you can you can, you know, put this with black women. And so um, some of the titles were uh, the lack of women in positions of power, patriarchy, not enough women at the table, decision, you know, making decisions, um, sexism, racism and economic inequality. 
trauma center center feminism, access to equal opportunity, the lack of respect for caregivers, navigating career and motherhood, increasing rates of maternal um, immortality, I mean mortality, I'm sorry, and a campaign to normalize normalize, uh, misogyny. And um, I didn't write down the, the breakdown of each title because it's on the website. Um, if they want to go to politicomagazine.com and mm-hmm. search up uh, what are the biggest problems women face today. And I think a lot of those, they it's for all women, you know, but a lot of those we deal with kind of at a higher, like, break or punch. You know what I'm saying? We deal with it mm-hmm. a little bit more, yeah. And I find that quite interesting. Um, it's like, what, what do you feel or why do you feel we are targeted? I don't know if it's targeted as much as it is a a form of dismissiveness. Uh, I mean, because yes, while we're a, a target in some ways, probably for stereotyping and other things. I think the the level of oppressiveness that's going on, or a level of oppression for Black women, is more to do with a to do with dismissing our our, our level of excellence. I'll start with that. I myself recently, recently, very recently, had an experience where I had to have some back and forth um, over a media article that was posted about me. And what bothered me the most is that one, they used my age, but two, they addressed me informally, like called me Pamela Gurley mm-hmm. and then called me Gurley throughout the remainder. And I, I had to, to say, uh, that's oh, one, wow. what's the relevant of the relevance of that, that you would also make me appear to be 45 years old and just coming into the world as a speaker and an author. Right, right. And so what came back and was told me, oh, if you're not a medical doctor, they don't use doctor in front of your name. Mm-mm. I'm I have I That's have not really true. exactly I, I have never in all of my time that I have been doing media for the last few years, and I'm talking media on me, not me doing media on anyone else, have ever felt like, let me pull this down. I'd much rather have it pulled back than be degraded because that's one of the things that my platform stands for. It's one thing you won't do is downgrade where I've been at in my life and what I've been through. I earned my doctorate just as much as anybody in the medical field earned theirs. All of us do. And I thought to myself, for goodness gracious, I'm also a grad school professor. So I I really am so bothered by this. And I said I was actually going to talk about it today because Mm -hmm. I wanted to know how how you ladies feel. And if you've ever had that experience where, you know, there's been some dismissiveness on your accolades, your education, your your level of excellence, your successes or anything else like that. Because I also know that in some circles, women have. Well, now we're starting to normalize celebrating one another more. But to someone who is, I I, I guess, for lack of a better word, even stagnant or not where they want to be, they have a hard time celebrating. So it sounds like bragging as opposed Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. just saying, hey, look what I accomplished. And, And that's something that we need to get away from, because to me, if I can't be excited for all the things that I know and all the things that I've accomplished, to me, you're oppressing who I am as an individual, and you're also oppressing the level of success that it's taking me a lot just to create and build. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like I said before, Louisa read off some of the things that she did. It's it's multi layered. It's still sad to know that we are well. Black women are the fastest growing entrepreneurs in the United States. And they're also earning more degrees, undergraduate degrees than any other population. But we still make less than white men and white women and and black men, you know, when it comes to cents on the dollar. And so we have to figure out how do we level the playing field? I just don't think that black women alone have the ability to do that by themselves. Why? Because they're not the decision makers. So you have to first, and I know you you said something, Pam, earlier about having the seat at the table. 
being able to be part of those conversations that talk about, you know, wage equity, not just equality, but we got to be equitable. We have to be afforded the same uh, rights and privileges as our counterparts in order for us to even have a leg up in this race. Um, and I still think it's still based in discrimination, definitely, um, the way that they look at us. That's another reason why we have the highest um, mortality rate when it comes to women during pregnancy. You know, they don't take us seriously. Pam, again, you said something about being dismissed um, about certain things. And being in, <laughs> having a few health challenges, being able to see it where doctors really don't hear you. You know, like you tell them like, hey, I'm having this, 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 this. And I think part of that is what went into me being misdiagnosed for a full year. Um, because do they really take you seriously? Again, when black women are saying they are in pain, because even in school, I don't know if you guys, I have this book, Medical Apartheid. And even today, some of the things that today's medical students are being taught about black women and how they use black women in experiments that black women, they're able to tolerate more pain. So if I'm learning that as a doctor, I'm going to be less likely to take your severity of pain seriously. And I'm probably not going to give you the right medication. Again, that goes into the dismissiveness. And I think that all of these things co-intertwine. So it's not just financial, it's not just economical, it's health, it's school, it's education, it's all of these things wrapped up into one. And we have to figure out a way to continue to have our voice be heard. Yes, it's great that we are part of the femin feminism and liberation movements. However, some of the Black women's needs get washed away and swept under the carpet if we're doing this broad breaststroke about feminism you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and equality, because even compared to a white woman, we're still not equal. So that's just my, my soapbox. <laughs> okay. did, did you want to say something, Louisa? Or? Oh, no, she added everything. And, 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 and that is absolutely true. Everything you both said. Um, I did want to ask, what do you think? What? Okay. So out of everything that we have been dismissed. We're ignored. Uh, we are thriving and, and pursuing our careers or, or, or entrepreneurship, you know, having our own businesses and raising children and, and, you know, having families and everything. Why do you think um, we're still fighting? Why do you think we still have to fight? The same reason why we're still fighting to be treated like a human being and not yeah. like a dog on the street. That's true. Same reason why we trying to, you know, let our her voice be heard with Black Lives Matter. But the only thing we get uh, to combat that is all lives matter and blue lives matter. You know, so I think it's, again, the dismissiveness. Like, yeah, 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 we hear you. But we got these people over here, too. All of us should matter. But all of us are not being treated the same. Well, do know? you think that's kind of our fault, though? Because we in, always in rally behind others. We always push others and we always are the numbers for other people's uh, uh, marches and other people's, uh, you know, things, everything, mm -hmm. their bills and their rights. And we are always that force behind them that we do get washed away, pushed aside. I think the only way it's going to start to change is when when their pockets hurt. That's it. If it's not affecting the bottom line, nothing is going to change. You saw with the Black Lives Matter movement, nothing didn't start to really take traction until Gucci, Louie, uh, Sephora, all of these big target, their bottom line was like, oh, no, we can. Oh, no. You know, because yeah. African-Americans are the leading consumer. If we stop spending our black dollars, guess what? they're not going to be able to continue to be open. So that's why they're like, oh, we don't want to get on the black people side. However, let's see what the board looks like. You have all these signs and campaigns and slogans about, yes, we're behind equity, equality, all of this stuff, but nothing in your boardroom looks like me. Unless, unless it's the um, 
the token black person. Community and diversity chair. Oh yeah, that's so true. So, so true. Then you have somebody who looks like us, who represents us and, and all skin ain't kin. Ooh, they, you know, like it, I was just getting ready you to can say have that. somebody like I was looking at this guy who was against critical race theory talking about it's only going to teach our children how to hate each other. And it's very divisive. And I said, hmm, I find it very interesting that the very school district in Texas that voted against having to be taught about slavery um, is also against critical race theory. And they are taking out Martin Luther King um, as part of the curriculum. And I, I, I don't want to mess up the Indian chief's name, you know, talking about yes. indigenous people as well. And I was like, all of these things are taking us backwards. That's yeah. why in Texas, they still, I, I don't know if it's still there, but a few years ago, they had it in the, in the book. And my daughter, she's, she was like, oh yeah, they told us that, that slavery was voluntary. These were volunteers that volunteered to do the work. If we're rewriting history and mm -hmm. we're not learning what it is, guess what's going to happen? We're going to repeat it. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, they, they have they have the pictures like the, the the slaves are smiling and happy to be in the fields. And yep. I'm like, are you serious? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So really quick, we're going to introduce our new co-host who's joining us today. Our guest co-host, Miss Bernadette. Hi. How are you, ma'am? Hello. Hello. Sorry, All right. No, welcome. Was... Running in between appointment from Savannah, and then it started raining. And long story short, I'm late, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome. It's, it's totally cool. We're over here talking about why society is oppressive when it comes to the success of Black women. Mm -hmm. And so, have you had any experience? First of all, you're military, yes. and you're a warrant officer. So um, I'm sure that that's going to be very, very different. In, from your perspective, so do you feel like there's a, an oppressiveness in what you do because you climbed up there just to be a warrant officer? Yeah, I definitely think um, so. I've been in 17 years, and I will say I have been in more toxic spaces than I would have liked to have been in. Um, and sometimes it's associated with skin color. That's just always going to be there. Um, you can kind of catch the underlining tones of people and the actions that they take. But then when you throw in the mix of being a woman, now it's like you got that piece of the pie that some just don't agree with women being in the military. And then, oh, by the way, you're an officer. And so when, and, and as I climbed this ladder in the military, I would sit in spaces where I knew that I was not going to be well received when I walked in the room. Mm -hmm. I had to maneuver in spaces with people that really meant me all the harm. Um, and so I say all that to say like the, the, the systemic problem is no matter what policies we have in place, no matter what we put out there into the world, people are naturally going to be who they are because a lot of people that are racist are your doctors, are your teachers, are your dentists. And you have to Ooh. learn to maneuver without breaking yourself down because you just don't know who is who until mm -hmm. they present themselves in their authentic way. Oh, I definitely agree. And Cortina, you had mentioned something earlier because yes, I was on a... Um, I was on Indisputable talking about diversity and, you know, why I really hate it. I feel, you know, because it talks about, I think I'm really big on what equity should look like. See, everybody, I always feel like you throw around diversity, you throw mm -hmm. around inclusion, but what does that really look like? What does equity really look like? Because mm -hmm. one of the things we talked about was, um, or Christina, you mentioned that I said about having a seat at the table. But you can have a seat at the table, but it doesn't mean that well, diversity will get you there, but they don't mm -hmm. have to treat you equally. They right. don't have to give you equal pay. And they also don't have to give you a voice. That's true. So, there, so there's no leveraging power for you as a black woman or a black man at a table. So so what does that mean? And then also what's, what's being measured and how do you measure equity? That's the that's the other thing that I want to know. If you're saying, oh, we're going to be we're, we're going to have diversity and we're going to have inclusion and we're going to now look at equity and equality. I want to know how you're how you're you are measuring those things, mm -hmm. you know, 
are you now giving all these women or you know these these you know the minorities um that that high of a raise not just are you going to incrementally raise or are you going to pay them what they are worth that to me is equity I should be making what my counterpart makes. So if it means that, that that's an extra $20,000 bump in my check because I rightfully earned that, I should see that. But so how are companies measuring giving, you know, having opportunities for equity in their in their companies? I think that they have to have internal checks and balances. You know, it's all taboo to talk about how much people make, but that only keeps the employer with being able to save money. Because if I can pay you $3 and I can pay you $300 an hour and you two don't know about it, guess what's going to happen? When you guys start talking about how much you made, you're going to, the $3 one going to be like, oh, hell no. Like, right. <laughs> y'all try me. And I think that transparency is important. Maybe not to the employees themselves because we don't know all the background and all of that, but to someone who, which should be HR, but it don't always work like that. <laughs> who even is over them to make sure, okay, these people have the same criteria. They have the same amount of experience. They have the same education. Why is there a significant 30% difference in what this person is making? What benchmarks allows this person to make 30% higher than this other person? What, what What's missing so that it can be fair to both parties, you know? And, and I mm -hmm. think it really does a disservice when companies kind of pit people towards people. Cause you know, people talk sometimes and then when you find out what somebody else making, it oh, makes you it not upset. Yeah. Cause sometimes the person that makes more does not even have the experience that you have. And then you can't go talk about it because guess what? You signed the policy that said you will not discuss pay with anybody else. So I, it ain't like I can go say, well, Jimmy, cisgender male is making X amount of dollars and me, Cortina, black female is making X amount of dollars. That's not fair. Well, guess what? I'm going to be fired and he's going to be fired too because we're talking about our pay. Just leave your, your leave your um, leave an earned statement on the desk. Well, <laughs> Somebody won't pay to like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's loophole, uh, not loopholes, but it's um, it's like political red tape and stuff about what you can talk about, what you can't talk about. And I get it because it can cause a lot of stuff. But I think when we have these guidelines where we can't talk about stuff, it almost leaves you like, oh, okay, should I go to HR and tell them that I'm feeling like there's a microaggression happening? Will they even understand what I'm talking about? Because I'm the only one that looks like me in here. Then I don't want to ruffle the feathers and then mm -hmm. feel like I have a target on my back. So it, it's, Almost like doing this dance that we as black people has have had to curate, you know, to continue to make it, which when we talk about the invisible book bag with white fragility, like it's not something that you are mindful of. It's not something that you have to, to think about, you know, so it, it's just. So at what point do you actually speak up for yourself? At what point? Do, at what point does it become a a necessity to say, you know what? I know this person makes more than I do. No matter how I found out, I know this person makes more than I do. I'm going to have to speak up for myself. Is the risk out there for you to say, you know what? It's, it, it's worth me risking everything that I have at this point, because I'm, if to me, you're being cheated. And for so some people, you say something. for some people, I think they have the option. For that to be a risk. If I'm a single mom and this is my only means of income and I don't have anything else coming in, I don't know how long it's going to take me to be able to make another job. Unemployment may not pay me what I'm making right now. So the risk outweighs where I am right now. It outweighs my emotional wellness. It outweighs my resentment. It outweighs everything else that I might be feeling on this job. So I keep my mouth shut and I stay here until. I am able to make an exit plan. Now, there are some other people, they don't give a damn. They don't care. They like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to keep on working here. I'm out, deuces, done. You ain't even going to get no two weeks notice because y'all tried me. So it really, I think it depends on the individual and where they are within their economic comfort zone. 
You know, some people can risk it. Some people risking it is not an option. Mm -hmm. I think I totally agree with that because like, again, in the military, we're bound by so many rules. Pam, you were in the military. So, you know, we're like, we're, we sit in clusters, you know, whether it's your unit, your platoon, your battalion, um, your MOS, a.k.a. your job. And so uh, even for myself, there are male counterparts, and I'm not trying to be mean, that I know are not as savvy and knowledgeable as I am in my particular field. But they rise to the top in the occasion because of the people they are connected to. I choose not to connect myself with people that I feel like I'm going to owe something in the end. Ooh, and yes. so a lot of people put those themselves in toxic spaces just to survive. And so I had to tell one of my friends the other day, like, don't be mad at the way people survive, even if that means that they have to ruin your name in the process, because that's their level of survival. Mm -hmm. And so in saying that, you know, you, you get to a point where it's like, well, what is enough for me? If I have to go to bed every night and have an internal struggle with the people I'm going to end up crossing a threshold with tomorrow morning for work, you got to make a stance and you got to be okay with that. That might mean in outside of the military, the civilian sector, you might lose your job in the military. That could mean you might get in trouble. You might get rolled up. But if it brings you peace, sometimes you got to stand for more of your peace than for more of being a passive aggressor mm -hmm. and being upset and coming home and creating toxic spaces for yourself because you're not dealing with the demons that you really want to deal with. So you take it out on everybody else. And mm -hmm. so in saying that, I agree, you have to make a stance at some point to stand up for yourself. Okay, that is that is so true. Very, very true. So let me ask you ladies this. Um, we shall start with you. Has there ever been a time, like even in your own community of women that you felt that there was a level of oppression? I, I'll say yes. Um, even, um, I'll say yes, because you could be celebrating. And I'm one of those people who celebrate every, I celebrate everybody. And I'm like, Oh, you did go ahead, girl. You know, I'm just one of those people. And, and I, and I'm, I'm genuine because I just really want everyone to be happy and, and I'm, I just want you to make, you know, just be where you want to be. But I have had people who um, don't like the fact that I do that or um, because I, I don't know. I just, some people just are crazy. I, I don't want to say crazy. <laughs> That's what it seems like. They just, what they you are. Know, yeah. But you know, it's just like, you can say something like you can make a post. Um, on social media and social media, you know, if you're not careful, can make you go into depression and you can make a post and somebody go on their post. Oh, I don't you know. All right. Whatever. It's OK. Like I made a post about a couple of my friends buying a house, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like someone like they kind of had an attitude. You can tell they were like, oh, the way they fake congratulated, but you can tell the way that you said it, it was kind of like an attitude about what's wrong with you. You know, so I have had I even have had that within my own marriage. So, well, it's ex-marriage now, but, you know, within my own home and it's like, I'm trying to do something and it's always, oh, well, I don't know why you're doing that or won't you do this? Or, you know, just basically trying to sway you from what you want or make it seem like what you want or what you're doing, um, something else can be better. So, you know, so yeah, I've dealt with that. Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> what about you, Cortina? Um, yeah. When I, in your I, own circles. There was a place that I worked, you know, and sometimes in some of these spaces, it's not a lot of people that look like us. But what I came to found, find out is that there are some women that are intimidated by your abilities that they throw their power around where it doesn't need to be thrown around. Like, I don't want you at that time. I didn't even want your position. Because before you started, it was a vacant position. If I wanted it, I would apply for it. I was cool the way I was. So she came in and it really, I always felt there was an undercurrent of tension. But when other people around, she was just nice as sweet as pie. But her tones and her emails, and I was like, I'm like the nicest person ever. Like, I'll do whatever. So one particular time she was out of town and the vice president asked me to do something. 
well, the vice president is your boss, so I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Like, vice president, can you do this? Can you run this report? Yeah, sure, whatever. I did it. She came back from out of town. She put me in her office, and she was like, you should have ran this by me before you finished that task. I'm so are you saying you wanted me to tell the vice president, hold on, no, let me go make sure it's okay with your subordinate, who is my boss? I was like, that's that's crazy as hell. But again, when some people feel intimidated, and it doesn't even have to be that you have more than what they have, but by maybe what they a threat or threaten, they will their power and and kind of make your life not fun. You know, sometimes they try to push you out. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous when it's not already not a lot of us, but you want to bring up a, a issue that's not even an issue and make yeah. an issue when it don't need to be one. We should be banding together to make sure that we are continuing the cause. Because girl, when you win, I win. You move up, I move up. Like it, it, it works together. And it's so sad because I ain't see that from nobody else in that company. And they ain't look like us. So you telling me the other lady, Sally Sue, <laughs> is trying to help me and Keisha trying to keep me down. We try to keep me oppressed under your thumb because of control issues. And I think, again, sometimes that comes from childhood issues, stuff they might be going through in the home. And then you go to these jobs and think, oh, now you have a voice. Now, you know what? I'm going. I just have to prove that I'm above you, which is ridiculous. So that has been my only experience with oppression in in a circle that I felt, because after that, I'm like, I'm not. Whether it's at work, personal, at home, I'm not going to surround myself with people who feel like they have to control me or oppress me. It's ridiculous. I'm not doing it. I want to be a part of that. Okay. What about you, Bernadette? Have you ever found in your circle that there was, you know, some level of oppression that you felt? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> been there. Um, so, so funny that um, we actually bring this up. Uh, so I was at work and long story short, I was talking to one of my coworkers and she was just kind of down in the dumps about how someone was treating her. And so I gave her the analogy of a rope. Um, and so I always ask people when you hear that, what is a rope? You automatically think, oh, yeah, just this little brown thing. Well, here's the thing. What most people don't realize about the way the rope works is you can teach somebody the ropes. Um, we say that so often in the military and I'm quite sure, you know, it's said multiple different ways in different analogies, but the way I break it down is this, there's three ways that you can use a rope. One, you can teach somebody the ropes, but most people won't teach you the ropes because they want you to hang by a rope. Mm -hmm. And so if I teach you what I know, then you might be more successful than me. I can't have that. Yeah. So I'll watch you hang yourself multiple times and never teach you anything. It's happened to me when I've had to um, reach out for assistance, ask for guidance. And, you know, I get roundabout answers or just not the right answer because they want to see you hang yourself. Um, I've seen it done to others in um, my circle. Um, I've seen it done in just relationships. You know, you have spouses who could teach one another things. And because of their own insecurities, they will watch the other spouse hang. Right. Then secondly, with the rope, when you see someone drowning, whether it's your sister in arms, whether it's a sister, whether, like you said, you know, you're always rooting for someone. If you see someone drowning, you should throw that person a rope and pull them out from drowning. A lot of times what people like to do is just sit on the sidelines and watch people fail and, and sink and drown and never give them any air or never help them. Because why would I? Why, why would I help you? Because if I help pull you out this situation, you might just be better than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so then my third analogy with a rope is tug of war, right? When you play tug of war, there's the left side and there's the right side. On the left side, there's all these people that are against you. It's the ones that when you walk into work, they're toxic times or tainted Tanya's. Um, Y'all with these names. <laughs> they're narcissistic Nancy's. They're, they're just people who just mean you all the harm. It's the things that you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But if you look over to the left, you get you two or three strong women in your circle or men or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. And you play tug of war. 
the fierce behind pulling that person across the finish line to win that war is more powerful than any amount of toxicity in your life. And so you have to get people on the right side of the rope to help you pull yourself along in life. And so um, with all that said, that analogy speaks so much to me because when I really thought about how I would have how, how I've been treated, how currently I have been treated and in the past, the one thing that never makes sense to me is why won't you teach me the ropes? Why won't you throw me a rope to pull me out of drowning? And why won't you stand on the right side with me and tug a war this thing because you're rooting for me? Mm-hmm. And so um all that to say, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. I, I like that analogy. That is a really good analogy of the <laughs> rope. Lord knows I've been on, I've, I've had the same level of experiences. Mm-hmm. I think I've also had experiences within our own community that they think that you can't make it as far as other other races. Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, people, even when I say, you know, I, I'm Dr. Pamela Girl, they're like, really? Okay. <laughs> To me, you're you're suggesting that this can't achieve higher level education mm-hmm. or the even I even talk about in my book that when people say, oh, you you talk like you're white. Well, it's not that I talk that I that like I'm white. Oh, it bothers that. me of what you <laughs> yeah. suggest that talking or speaking black means. Exactly. Because so you're degrading we, your own race. Exactly. <laughs> and so that is the thinking that is so morbid and that we need to get out of. The other part is, um, and, and I've had, Lord knows I've had one too many darn going experiences. <laughs> you know, I've, I've severed friendships, you know, mm-hmm. and that are people that I've known for a long time, because if we can't align and your energy is not serving me any purpose and we can't celebrate one another without there being some level of jealousy, I don't need, I don't need that in my circle. And so I'm very conscious about the energy that I pull in and you ladies know how I am. I'm, I, I would do what I can to, you know, for for anybody to make it. My goal is also, I often think that I, I have no fear about any of my friends surpassing me. If I'm helping them, if I'm not helping them, mm-hmm. I still want to celebrate. As a matter of fact, if I'm giving you a rope and when I'm giving you a rope, it's because I want to give you that rope and throw your I ass over you on the side. Exactly. So I need you to excel higher than me. So that way I would then have another way of level of inspiration mm-hmm. to say, wow, you know what? She did that. We're going to celebrate. And now I have something to that. No, I know what's possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we need to normalize being able to celebrate other people, but even more so, we need to normalize being able to celebrate ourselves and not give a damn about you know people wondering if we brag. Yes, that's I'm true. Brag. That's true. I, I and it's not hard. even bragging. You're, you're you're proud of yourself. If someone thinks you're bragging, it's, it's because, like you said, they have low self esteem and they feel as if they can't do it themselves. You're not bragging. You're celebrating, and there's nothing wrong. They're with not moving fast yourself. enough. Sometimes people feel like they're not. They are not moving fast enough, even when they're doing a lot of the work, they feel like it's just not happening for me. Why is it happening so fast for someone else? But everybody's roadmap is so different. But I also think it's your time. I also think that people get humility and toxic humility confused because sometimes people are like, well, I just want to be humble. No, you're minimizing your greatness. Being humble is fine. You know, you're not like, oh, I got this. I bought this. I did this. Okay, no, a little bit humble, but not hiding your wins. Because when people know that you're winning, you also, in a way, give them hope that, oh my gosh, you're doing that. I can do that too. And then instead of having, you know, when some people say the crab in the bucket or the barrel routine, you have to think about we're all fighting the same fight. So you, we shouldn't be mad at each other. Let's be mad at right. how we got in the bucket in the first place. Who put us in the bucket? Why are we even <laughs> in the bucket? Right. So that's, it's not each fun. other, you know? And so uh, it being able to be okay. And a lot of times people don't celebrate themselves is because they are suffering from imposter syndrome because part of them believes that they don't deserve to be or have what they have. So if myself, I'm kind of like, you know, maybe some I may be exposed when there's nothing to expose. You did it. That's your greatness. Or 
you know, maybe I got here by luck. It don't matter how you got there. You're there. So celebrate that you're there because it doesn't matter. And you have to be able to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, then we have to do a little bit of, you know, processing to figure out why do you have this imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not deserving or worthy, worthy to have or be where you are. That's so yeah. funny that you say that because um, I'm always talking, <laughs> as you can see, I was talking to my husband about how people starve their dreams. And so, you know, if you're not hungry, if you're not aggressive about the things that you want to accomplish, you're going to starve yourself from your dreams. And so a lot that ties into having imposter syndrome because you don't, you don't believe in yourself, but you kind of know that there's grace in you. There's this, this thing in you, this ignite fire that you're not pushing yourself to eat your goals. And so in the end, you are going to be 70, 80 years old saying, you know what, back in my thirties, dang it. I, I was, a, I was, I was, I was it, but it is, it's too late, you know? Um, and not saying you can't do things in your seventies, but why wait until the, 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 the 30, 40 years from now to do greatness instead of giving yourself humility first, and I think that's one of the biggest things is people don't look at themselves as the priority. They judge themselves off of how the world views them instead of going after your goals. Um, and one thing I always tell people is don't dim your light just to make somebody else shine. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, you're putting yourself last. And if you don't put yourself first, then who will? The other part, I think, is that people... Because I know I battled with imposter syndrome for a long time, but I also realized it was some of the company that I was keeping around me mm -hmm. and I was always doing this. And so it made me leery to celebrate doing this mm -hmm. because they all were here. Um, they're still all right there. Um, mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. I mean, if you where you want to be, you can't be mad and and make me feel like I have to oppress who I am or suppress who I am to mm -hmm. not make you feel bad. And so I battled imposter syndrome for that one. That was one of the reasons why I did. But the other part is what I hear a lot of people. They always say, I'm too old mm -hmm. to the, to make these changes. Mm -hmm. I'm too old to now pursue another another thing. Oh, I'm too old. And I, th I, I think to myself, wow, I don't think you're really ever too old to live the life that you mm -hmm. want to live. Mm -hmm. And you got to create the life you want to live. Um it's it's just so it's so crazy because we are always taught that life is too short and you know you only live once. Well, yeah, all those things can be true, but every day you're living, and if you don't even value the milliseconds in your day, you're wasting your time. Because if you really break down, um, just your day to day basis, you should sleep for about seven to eight hours. I'm, I'm, I'm totally not sleeping seven or eight hours, but you should sleep seven or eight hours. Then you subtract that from your 24 and then you got to commute to work. You got to eat dinner. Then let's say you work a nine to five job or you're an entrepreneur. What those hours look like when you scale all that back, you might got four or five hours to do something with it. So if you don't even value the milliseconds of your day and you find yourself sitting in your bed, staring at the ceiling saying, you know what? I should be doing X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter your age. It matters when you're going to start because mm -hmm. those seconds can never be replaced. People mm -hmm. always say, I'm going to make up, I'll, I'll compensate somebody for their, for their extra hours and all this nonsense. And it's just, it's total BS because you can't compensate me for time that you can't ever give me back. Right. And so Ooh. if you don't value your time, you're always going to be chasing time. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. You're going to be chasing it for a long time because once it's gone, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you, it's irreplaceable. And that's the balance I think that people, you know, deal with. Because I have this conversation with, with my partner often. I'm like, well, I mean, if we die, we can't take it with us because <laughs> he's like super safe, conservative, like just that's uh, it. Like he is a uh, what do you call those people? A micro uh, user, a, frugal. a minimalist. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'm like, probably yeah. like a maximist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter if you want it, get it. And because I'm like, you know what? You know, just even with me going through what I'm going through, you know, it's kind of like, what if I never have the opportunity to do what I really want to do? Because we always have this, this 
hope that we'll have all the years in the world, yep. you know, and then when reality sets and it's like, no, what if, what if this is all you got? Have you been able to say I did everything that I wanted to do and bringing it back to, you know, black women and us feeling suppressed and, and oppressed and, and having to carry the weight. We are the ones that are so used to taking care of everybody else. We think that's our role. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we was put on this earth to do, whether it's your family, your kids, your friends. But at what point do we stop and say, I have to take care of me? Because if I'm not okay to take care of me, how can I ever take care of everybody else? Especially if I'm putting my dreams, my aspirations, what I want to do on the back burner to make sure that everybody else's needs are met. So us living our true selves and doing what we want to do Saying, hey, if I want to go on this trip, I'm going on this trip. If I want to climb this mountain, you know what? That's what I'm going to do without fear of judgment from the circle I may be around or what society says I can and cannot do. We have to learn how to live outside of the box and just do it. Oh, I agree. With violence. Because we don't want to spend all the retirement money and then we live right. years, and then we like, oh, I got to work at Walmart. No uh, shame for people who got to work. You know, the old people, the greeters at Walmart. No shame to them or nothing like that. But, you know, you know, you want to be have balance. You don't want to be so tight with the money that you die with a million dollars and you w- didn't enjoy it. You know, like you said, with the milliseconds. Life is supposed to be experienced. Yeah. We're supposed to experience life, not just live it. If I'm just living to chase a dollar, to make a dollar, to save a dollar, and I haven't even been able to enjoy the fruits of my labor, mm-hmm. what's the point? That's why I like food. Oh, I love <laughs> food. food. Food food is an experience. If you know, I'm telling you, food is I an love experience. food. I think we all. Well, my husband's a chef, so I love. I know we're not. You know what? First of all, we're not even going to talk to you because you be posting these food, this food, and whatnot. When is we going to Atlanta to get some food from the chef? Oh Lord, she's in Hinesville, but she's moving to North Carolina. Oh wait, I'm all okay. Well, wherever you at, I thought you said you were in Atlanta at the house. We, we want to have brunch. Pam, Louisa, set up the trip. We going to go get some food from the chef. Oh, that'd be nice because I'm tired of cooking in here. <laughs> I'm tired of cooking. Y'all can't make me laugh. You know I just had surgery and that hurt. Sorry. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Better. Yeah, me too, Jess. <laughs> okay, so you Thank know what? You. We're, we're, we're almost at the end. And I want, I want everybody to give any last thoughts on how we can make things better for black women, especially when it comes to our community and how we support one another. Hmm. I'll start with our our special co-host today. (laughs) So I would say, uh, let's stop teaching people that struggling. The struggle is real is a thing we should be doing. Um, And I, and I say that because my mom, um, since it's, WCW, um, Women's Crush Wednesday. Um, my mom, you know, she's two-time survivor of breast cancer and all those great things, right? And, you know, she's in remission, right? And for all my life, I've always seen her struggle. And what I thought was that was what I was supposed to do. So I found myself emulating that thought process, working two and three jobs, running track, all my own since high, uh, 16, in high school, doing all these things and struggling, Right. And so what I have said to my next generation of my daughters is this, my kids will not struggle. I will make a path for them to journey because if I teach my kids the struggle, that is what they will think is normal. And then we will continue to normalize the black woman being the one that's got to stand by an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. the person who has to deal with toxic friends, the woman who gets labeled the angry black woman because she wants to come and assert herself a certain type of way. And so I think if we stop teaching people that the struggle is real is a cool thing and teach them the value of valuing themselves, self-investing in their self-care is just my big motto. I think we'll get somewhere in life, but let's stop teaching people and teaching our daughters and our sons that struggling is what you're supposed to do. Because that's why black women are always labeled so hard and rough because we're supposed mm. to struggle through life. That's, that's just not how it should be. So that's my thing. 
I like that. That's powerful. What about you, Louisa? Um, I would say for us to be more supportive, um, even for the little things, just be more supportive, um, not be selfish as far as, you know, just helping each other. Even if you can't help each other financially, there are things you can do for each other. You see a a, a mom or, or even a, a dad, because there are a lot of single fathers too. If you see them and they're struggling with their children or struggling with their bags or a little frustrated, go talk to them or try to help them. You know, it's just little things that we can do. And the little things sometimes are more than the big things. Okay. And, and those things they can pass on. So I say that we all should be more supportive. Okay. What about you, Cortina? I would say just normalize emotional and mental health and wellness. A lot of the personalities and the way that we treat people and ourselves is rooted in unresolved trauma stress, um, depression, anxiety. So if we begin to talk about these issues, the way that we respond and engage with others, hopefully will be in more positive ways. Thus we'll create more positive experiences when we are around our circles, when we're at work, when we're around our families. So being able to normalize, you know, getting help and to um, Bernadette's uh, thing when she said, you know, stop glorifying the struggle is not because when we say the struggle is real oh, and it, it's like it gives us some type of badge of honor because you struggle <laughs> that makes you stronger yeah, or I'm better struggling. like that 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 is kind of like a slave mentality if you think about it i picked the most cotton today oh okay like i washed the floors the shiniest like it's almost and that's where that competitive nature came into because we had to be. So if we are able to say, you know what? So what? I don't have to. Just because my mom did it, I don't have to. I can be the exception. I can be the difference. And like you said, Bernard, that I can show the next generation coming up like, no, nah, that's unhealthy. Like for your psyche, for your mental, for your emotional, like that's not okay. Um, so that's what I would say. Just, you know, normalizing emotional and mental stability and wellness so that your interactions with others can be more positive. Okay. And stop taking pride in your pain, basically. Yeah. So I think I would, what I will say is normalize celebrating yourself out loud. Not yeah. quiet. Celebrate yourself out loud. Give your own self hand claps and champagne popping. Do all of that stuff because the harder you work, the more rewards you should be able to give yourself. Don't expect anyone else to validate your success. Validate it yourself and be proud of yourself. So even if it feels like you're alone, and they often say the higher you go, the more alone you feel. Very. So just understand that you need to learn how to love your own space, love your own company. And and love being able to celebrate yourself in a way that you celebrate your friends, because yeah. if you can celebrate your friends with all the bells and whistles, you deserve it, too, to give it to yourself. So yeah. that's what I would leave this with. Uh, Louisa, I'm going to start with you. Where can everybody find you? Because I think you have to hop off at eight. Correct. Uh, yeah, I got a little bit more, time, but it's fine. Oh, okay. um, you can find me at the Blue Phoenix Hills on Facebook and Instagram. OK. And what about you, Bernadette? You can find me on Instagram at self-investing, self-care. That's where I talk all my thought process with self-care. And then if you want to just like check out like how goofy and crazy my whole blended and splendid army lifestyle is, you can find me on TikTok and on Instagram at blended with Bernie. And those are my two platforms right now. And yeah, I got YouTube channels and all that stuff going on, but find me there. <laughs> yeah, I I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> okay, what about you, Cortina? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at the Girlfriend Therapist, the oh, Girlfriend that. Therapist. <laughs> okay, and you can find me on all platforms as well at I A M D R P G U R L E Y. I am Dr. Pamela Gurley, and I always spell it out because I've had somebody actually fully write out doctor, and then they told me they couldn't find me. Oh, so wow. it's I A M D R P G U R L E Y. I know, so I now that's why I've been uh, people always be like, why do you always spell it? Spell it out because. <laughs> 
I, it's it's the doctor in there. People just spell it all the way out. That's a lot. That's a lot of words. You can also find the Herspiration Happy Hour Home on now, which is um, the Instagram page is at D A W Entertainment because we do fall under the new Dope Ass Women Entertainment. Woo-hoo. Yes, and then you can also find us here on Facebook at um, Herspiration Happy Hour. How her, Herspiration Happy Hour, and on Twitter at Herspiration H H. Make sure and tune in um, the first and third Wednesdays of every month. You can find us on all uh, podcasts and platforms. And if you if if we're not there, it, you know it must be new because <laughs> we are everywhere, um, from iHeartRadio to Amazon and and Pandora and everything. So definitely tune in, follow us, and you know what. Bernadette, thank you so much for dropping by. Hang in there for yeah, a minute, thank and you. we're going to bring this into a close. I'll be right back with you. Okay. Yeah, so ladies, uh, any final words other than our favorite? Cheers! Cheers. <laughs>